You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. introductions i think that's something that's been going on all year i don't really know i'm not i don't watch our introductions i'm not involved with them i'm trying to place during that time regardless it's not appropriate it's been addressed and i can assure you it definitely will not happen again during remainder this year those compliment uh those comments i should say um Following Alabama's hard-fought 86-83 win over Arkansas at Coleman, um, it just seems to me like, gentlemen, that uh, Alabama takes no steps forward and uh, then manages to find uh, another way to step back. Um, I've heard many explanations, including Nate Oates, and I have some information from uh, what I would call the inside, but it's, it's not a good look, in my opinion, Lars, anytime. I don't think they shouldn't have been doing that at the beginning of the year. In my opinion, with with our society, the way it is today, uh, I just and and then to do it after the initial announcement back in February. And then now, since the Brandon Miller, um, uh, what since Brandon Miller and the preliminary hearing came out, you found out that definitely he was involved uh, at the scene, at least, uh, but may have provided the gun. So, um, Lars, uh, right now there's one job I would not want to have, and that's PR at the University of Alabama. Yeah. All right. So uh, the the pat-down is what we're talking about, the pregame pat-down, and the video of that has been shared, I don't know, 30 million times uh, over social media. Um, and it's important to remember, well, a couple things. One, uh, they've been doing this all season. And this is how uh, officials check you over before you go into the octagon. Yeah, it's an MMA okay. thing. Yes. And, and so, um, look, the optics of this are horrible. <laughs> may, I, may I just say one thing here? Yes. Um... It's my information, and from a very, very reliable source, they've been doing this for longer than this year. I just thought I would throw that in there. Yeah. Um, So the fault to me doesn't necessarily lie with Brandon Miller or with any of the Alabama basketball players. The fault lies with the adults in the room. You can't tell me that every single coach on the Alabama basketball team, out of all of them, not one of them knew about this. Okay? I mean, and and, and now, after Brandon Miller has been linked to uh, the, the, the tragedy. The murder. Yeah. 
Um, you just you can't do that because if you just want to, you know, how this is viewed across the country is a little different than how it's viewed in the United, viewed in Alabama. Because if you don't know the context, and uh, and, and most people don't. It looks like Brandon Miller is mocking the situation. Darn straight it does. It looks like he's mocking the police. It looks like he is mocking the fact that, uh, hey, I got away with it, you know, uh, because I didn't have a gun on me. Because I I passed the pat down. And I, I get it. I know. They've been doing it all year. I understand that. But somebody at Alabama where I am employed Somebody in the athletic department's got to tell these kids, don't do this. They had to have been aware, Matt. They had to have been aware that this was part of their pregame routine. And they had to just employ logic here a little bit, people. Well, and and I'm going to kind of swim against your your opinion in one way. The players should have known. They, these are I mean, 18, 19-year-old young men. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily giving man. them a free pass. Uh, I just, mean, but but don't you think out of all the uh, assistant coaches, analysts, whatever. Uh, people boosters, in the, big boosters. Uh, people uh, in, the, in sports information. I don't know. You're uh, right. But but I'm, I do put some responsibility on the players. Yes. Because, you know, they have been swirling in this horrible incident for well over a month now. And they just made it worse. Been, they just they, they made it worse, and um, what you just said is they made it look like, it looked like, and I'm positive this was not the intent, it looked like they were mocking the whole deal. And, and once again, we come up against this, that Alabama is not realizing the total effect. This is the appearance, okay? This is, this is what the, the folks want watching in Billings, Montana, saw, wow, they really don't care about what happened. Yeah. And they've, they've been scrambling to avoid that and, and, and try and correct that mistake for a week now, almost a week. But I just cannot imagine. I mean, By the way, good reading. Uh, go to Joseph Goodman on AL.com. He has an excellent co- uh, column about this. But uh, it continues to look like... Uh, they're more focused on what happens with their basketball team than they are about Miss um, Harris and her family. Yeah, and you know what? <laughs> when people at Alabama say that they're taking this seriously, this whole incident seriously, I mean, come on. If you're taking it seriously, you wouldn't allow this to happen. Wrong place, wrong time. Wrong quote. I mean, boy, this has just been bungled. It's a PR mess. And it's a story that is going to follow this team, apparently, I mean, you know, no question, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and it's unfortunate because this is a special team. A and now it's going to be remembered more so. Winning the national championship. Maybe more so from this. They can go and win the national championship, but this will be a cloud that hangs over the head of this I mean, basketball and, and team the, forever. The, the, the national perception of this team is not good, Matt. <laughs> uh, no. And, and, uh, I, and I know a lot of people are, 
the, if you're defending the Alabama players and program, and I, I understand you can you can stand on the fact that they have been doing this all year, and that it is uh, in reference to the introduction of uh, MMA fighters before they enter the octagon. I get it. Nonetheless, you need to know when to stop it. And uh, and you're right. I mean, some of the the senior leadership on the team should have said, "Don't do this, guys. Don't do Bad this." Bad look. Bad look. Um, I don't understand why it was kind of I don't know ignored to begin with. I mean, with our society and guns and violence, that's just. And I realize they're mirroring. What happens in the MMA? But you know what? MMA, that's not right. It's all a show, right? They don't really expect somebody to come into the ring with weaponry, do they? Yeah. It's I just, mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's all a part of a show, and a show that right now I think is, is horribly timed. Uh, but, you know, that's what happened. And, uh, boy, I think Alabama would right now just like for you know, to just take a breath, play some basketball. But... Uh, do in part to do some think, of the m- mistakes they've made. That's not totally possible right now. Do you think that the school should have told the media about Miller's involvement in the incident before the hearing at in the Tuscaloosa uh, court? I think they should have had that included in Nate Oates' initial comments on the entire matter. After expressing, and I, we lauded him because he yeah. he got out in front of it. He, he said all of the right things, but I think at the end of that, he he should have said there are two other players and mentioned them by name that may have been present. We are looking into that as well, and that's really about all he needed to say. You know, and yeah. then get the facts, and then you know it, it. It seemed like they didn't know what really happened, and they should have done their own investigation. I know that Byrne says they don't do their investigating. Okay, I, I think this is a question of semantics. They've got attorneys, and they're looking into this. And they were asking everybody uh, who was around and whatever they could do, talk to their contacts in law enforcement there in Tuscaloosa, and find out exactly what did. So he may not label that as investigating as investigators, but I think that, am I wrong? Didn't Alabama know? Yeah. And and again, going back, uh, Nate Oates said he was he draws up plays during pregame and doesn't watch the pregame introduction. Uh, there are plenty of head coaches who do that, but uh, Nate Oates has three full time assistant coaches and eleven people listed on the team website as support personnel. Alabama, uh, you know, has uh, hordes of athletic department staffers who assist in game management or just go to the game. And you know what? All of them have what? A pair of eyes. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so, no, no. So, are we to believe that not one of these people had any idea that their star player, who is a part of this massive gun-related controversy, would continue to play pretend pat down before a basketball game? I mean, that is uh, that is as tone deaf as you can get and um i <laughs> i don't know it, it probably won't have any impact on the court uh but it's certainly 
impacts Alabama's public image, the image of this team, and the integrity, the collective integrity of this team. And is this team really taking this incident as serious as it should? This is a grave matter. A young lady lost her life. Child lost his mother. The and bad, and, if, bad, you're, and bad if, you're, if you're just to watch the video, right? It's, it just looks like they're mocking the whole situation. Oh, yes. And one other note that I think is just worth mentioning for a brief time is the way the Alabama fan, and I know why, and I know they're showing support, but again, it's not a real good look, but it's understandable. The fans went absolutely crazy when the, he was introduced and when he was in the game. Well, that's I what mean, happens when you score 41. Uh, <laughs> well, but That's what happens when you score 24 and lead Alabama to victory over Arkansas. So the Fans are going to love you. Well, he had 24. 24. He dropped 41 the night, yeah, two nights before. Yes, he did. South uh, Carolina. Um, but, well, and let me just ask you this candidly. Do you think he'd received early in the game these unbelievable roars had not this happened? Yeah. What do you mean? Had, had not what happened? They went absolutely crazy when they introduced Brandon Miller. Yeah, would, but would that's, just, that's been... just simply hearing his name. I think they're reacting to that. They're not reacting well, to the past. What I read, it was it was uh, kind of. I mean, I wasn't there. I was. Well, I wasn't and, and there. I, just, I, think, I read that. Do you think this is something that could rise to the level of player suspension? If they'd have done that, it already happened. Yeah, it's not. I know. Yeah, it's not, I, I know think. it's not going to happen. Hey, uh, when we get back, we're actually going to talk about the basketball game. Of course, they've got a Alabama has a huge game coming up this Wednesday night against Auburn. And if Auburn were to pull the upset, then it goes back to Texas A&M. Boy, Alabama could uh, possibly lose a lot of seeding there. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A wind advisory remains in effect this afternoon, mostly cloudy with a few passing showers through tonight. The high today 78, the low tonight 51. Tomorrow dry and mild, the sky partially sunny, the high at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Hey, back on Big Noon Sports, it's Matt, it's Lars, Christian Miller, who comes to the microphone now. We're going to talk some basketball. Alabama beats Arkansas 86-83. to 83. The Tide shot 3 of 22 from three-point range. They can shoot poorly from the free throw. They can shoot poorly from the floor. They can shoot poorly from three-point range. They get into these gangs, rock fights with the Razorbacks, they find a way to win. Um, and I told y'all, and I am going to pat myself on the back a little. I told y'all Friday this is going to be a lot more difficult than most people thought. Yeah. Just because you win double digits in Fayetteville, this is not the same team Alabama played in. And I think you also, hands down, have to give a lot of credit to Muss. This guy can coach now. He can. And when the calendar 
gets closer and closer to March, he gets better and better. Um, nobody wants to play Alabama in the tournament, okay? I mean, that's a given. And the NCAA tournament anywhere. Right now, nobody wants to play Arkansas either. Uh, it's a very, very good basketball team. And I know I'm a little bit of a piggy homer. But, uh, I, Christian, I, th- I think Arkansas is a pretty good team and to be reckoned with in tournament play. Did uh, Your overall thoughts on the basketball game? Yeah, Matt, I agree. I thought they looked like a really good basketball team. They gave uh, Alabama some fits in the first half, and Nick Smith uh, played great. Uh, they did a really good job driving the ball and um, getting to the line, but um, ultimately Alabama found a way to win. So that that was the most impressive thing to me is the, the way to come out in that second half. You know, they didn't shoot the ball real well, but they, they found a way to win, and, and that's ultimately what mattered. But, yeah, I think Arkansas is definitely a dangerous team, and uh, you definitely got to watch out for those guys. Christian, unfortunately, people aren't talking about the Arkansas game. They're talking the, the game itself. They're talking about the pregame introduction. Um, I, I know it's sometimes it's hard for you to comment on on players, but um, just your thoughts on on uh, the the whole incident, and you know, uh, just should should an Alabama staffer have stepped in and tried to at least you know stop what was going on uh during during these pregame routines these pregame introductions well from my understanding um i, I don't uh i guess it's something they've done all year um i i, I think you know I, I think you were saying earlier about it being kind of like that MMA style pat down where you know they're they're checking you for objects or weapons before you enter the octagon so if it's something they've been doing, I get that they've been doing it, but you just uh, hope that they would have a little more of um, just awareness that this is a very sensitive uh, uh, tragedy right now, and you probably need to be a little more considerate on things of that nature. And I, 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 Me, personally, I probably would have thought about it ahead of time and said, you know, maybe we need to put a pause or put, put an end to, you know, this, this pregame handshake or ritual, whatever you want to call it. Um, but but I get not everybody thinks that way. So I agree. I, I think maybe a staffer or a coach should have probably, um, you know, went up to them and said, hey, you know, maybe this isn't the best idea to do this anymore. But maybe the coaches weren't aware at the time. Maybe they're not really watching the introductions or, or the, the handshakes or the routines that they do. Maybe they weren't aware, but you would, you would imagine somebody probably would have had some type of knowledge of it and, and probably warned them about it. Um, but you know, the, the fact of the matter is it was done and, and now I'm, I'm sure there is, you know, an end to it and a solution. So that's really all I have on that. Just, it just comes off, you know, a little insensitive to a very serious and sensitive, uh, situation. And, um, I, I think that it, you know, will be handled appropriately now, but you just wish that it was probably handled ahead of time. That way we wouldn't continue um, what's really turning on, turning into almost a nightmare for this basketball team, um, because it, it just seems like you know that it, it's things just are you know not being able to you know almost recover because there's just things that keep coming up, right? So I, I think putting an end to it as quickly as possible is the best solution right now. Matt, can you imagine Nick Saban one? Uh, making a comment like wrong place wrong time uh and 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 really going into a press conference uh knowing that there is a hearing going on 
And it'll be from Mike Rodak at AL.com. He, I know he's written about this. He's going to join yeah, us here in here. a little bit. Uh, and he can give us the actual timeline of events. But uh, the, the, the fact that he made that statement, and he wasn't aware of the text messages at the time that he made that statement. I do know that. But even, you know, even to be out there give, doing the press conference at that time, uh, he, I think he probably should have said, hey, ongoing investigation, Absolutely. can't comment. Absolutely. Um, so there was sloppiness there. And then uh, the optics of the pat-down, there's sloppiness there. Can you imagine Nick Saban making those two sort of just uh, uh, egregious mistakes? No, no, I, I can't. And uh, I, I think what you were just you were alluding to is that that hearing, as I understand it, was ongoing when he addressed the media. Yes. I hate to use it in this kind of, That was a, why say anything? There's a hearing going on. I don't know what's been said. When we get the information, I'll address it. I think at times that Oates is guilty of trying to be too transparent. He's trying to be too upfront and get all the information out there. Initially, it was a great idea. Since then, even the post game uh, the other night, um, the week that has happened, and, and he had spoken, he'd retracted, and then uh, Byrne had talked. You know, uh, just say what say what you can. Don't not talk about it. Pardon the double negative. That makes it look worse. Uh, which, by the way, um, our buddy Joseph Goodman pointed something out in, in his piece. He said, uh, "If you want to make a story bigger." refuse to talk about it you know you got to say something and um he could have in a couple of these instances but i I think sometimes he's guilty of trying to be too honest too transparent and it's gotten him into trouble i agree i agree and and, and, and like you said hey yeah yeah go ahead christian well i'll speak on for football um good friend of mine josh max and he's you know i think assistant athletics director but he's in charge of the communications for football and he runs a tight ship, you know, if there's anything uh, going on, anything that's circulating, any dilemmas or issues that uh, may potentially be brought up uh, to a player before an interview, he's going to walk you through that. He's going to speak to the media, make sure that um, everything is addressed accordingly or properly and and done so in an appropriate manner. That way, these kind of things don't come up. And I'm not trying to throw anybody uh, from the basketball side under the bus, but I just know you were asking about, could you imagine if it was Coach Saban or something like that? And I'm just saying from a football perspective, from my experience as a player, you know, our process of speaking to the media, um, we are very well versed. You know, we're, we're always, um, you know, uh, prepared before we go up there. They do a, a very fine job of making sure guys aren't in those uh, difficult positions or are in a vulnerable position when they do speak to the media. So I just, I'm just surprised that, um, it almost feels like maybe that wasn't necessarily addressed because uh, I feel like if this, this was football uh, on the other hand, you know, uh, the pat down or some of these other things probably would have been very much so addressed ahead of time because, <laughs> yes. you know, again, I, I know Josh Maxson personally, I've known him for a long time. And, and um, again, he runs a tight ship and he's very serious about his job. And there's just no way I could imagine him allowing any, like, anything like that going uh going the way it did or even if it was coach saban speaking um he's very trusted by coach saban and and they work together very well and uh i I just imagine somebody probably to help better prepare those players and coaches 
um, for those situations because, again, it's a very serious uh, situation. No kidding. And we'll talk more about it and get into some some other Alabama topics like the upcoming Combine, Alabama's Day, their Pro Day, um, and some more basketball, obviously, on the floor. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Alabama's taken a lot of damage lately. In terms of Tuesday, um, it was a situation where, you know, the Tuscaloosa courtroom doesn't allow um, recording devices, doesn't allow cell phones, doesn't allow laptops. And so the reporters in there really had no way of getting that information out other than one reporter from the Tuscaloosa thread that was able to leave early. Uh, about an hour into that three-hour hearing. So there was a brief story about Brandon Miller's car being involved at the scene that I read that everybody in the media room was reading maybe an hour before Oates got there. I do believe that story was shown to Nate Oates before he got to his press conference um, because he referenced it. Uh, But it didn't involve any details about the text message. And so when I asked the question, I simply asked about the, the car being involved and how comfortable they were with uh, the proximity to the scene, and that's when Oates gave his, his answer about wrong spot at the wrong time. It wasn't until 5, 10, 15 minutes after Oates was done that the courtroom let out, at which point people could go back to their phones and their laptops, and that's when the stories started getting published about the text message details from Darius Miles. So from a national perspective, people saw Oates' response to my question, which was the initial info, and then they also saw the story about uh, Miller a text message from Darius Miles, and obviously it was a bad look combined. It probably was a bad look to begin with. Uh, And you do have to ask the question of, you know, Greg Burns said Alabama didn't know this information until Tuesday. Well, why not? I mean, did they not ask Miller? Did they not interview Miller? Uh, Did the police not talk to Alabama about it? Did they not divulge that detail? Um, That's kind of the biggest unanswered question to me, and ultimately it made Nate Oates look bad, and, you know, deservedly so to some extent, and um, it made Alabama as a program look bad. Just in the overall incident, um, there are a couple of areas that I'm still real cloudy on. To me, it should be clear. Um, did uh, did um, Miles text and bring Brandon Miller to the scene? Was Brandon Miller aware of the fact that he was bringing a gun? Was he asked to bring the gun? And what exactly was the positioning of Brandon's car? So some of those details are, you know, even unclear to those who are in the room. And, again, part of the reason is there's no recording devices allowed. Uh, apparently the air conditioning in the room was, was very loud. It wasn't easy to hear the testimony, and it was two and a half hours of testimony. Um, so some, some of the details aren't perfectly clear, even to people who covered it. And there's no way to go back and listen to it. Um, and... So as far as I'll start with the car detail, it's really in dispute. That's probably the biggest disputed part of this whole thing is, was Brenda Miller's car blocking Jamia Harris? Because her mom talked to us at AL.com about a month and a half ago, right after it happened, and said that her car was being blocked intentionally. Um, And then we learned in court that it was Miller and Bradley's cars that were blocking, and that's kind of how I guess it was phrased in court. But then the attorney of Miller comes out and says, their cars were there first, and then Jamia Harris's car with her boyfriend pulled up after behind it uh, is what their story is. So that's in dispute. And, you know, I, I wasn't there, obviously. I, I can't answer that question exactly. 
Um, and then in terms of, you know, the timeline of whether Miller, you know, knew exactly what was happening, you know, from a legal standpoint, it seems like the DA is saying he didn't know because otherwise it might have charged him uh, if he did have intent or did have knowledge. Um, but there is a little bit of a, a hole, if you will, in the statement from the attorney where it just sort of says he received the text message and then it says he arrived at the scene. It doesn't say anything about reading the text message, doesn't say anything about acknowledging text message, doesn't say anything about responding to it. Um, and obviously a defense attorney is not just going to divulge any of that. And there is a little bit of a gap in, in that statement, in that story. Um, so, again, that's something that's sort of in dispute. And I can't say as a fact um, whether or not he read it or, or what the exact, um, you know, the exact actions were at that point. Yeah, clearly something doesn't add up here. If, it, if Brandon Miller is fully cooperating with police and then the, pre, the, the police contradict brandon miller's information that he supplied the police <laughs> i mean uh th- something is uh, uh not not you're right not adding up uh on the court mike uh what did you see uh, against uh arkansas and um I- is this proving to be and i i, I don't want to trivialize the seriousness of the tragedy of the young lady losing her life but are they able to sort of compartmentalize that once they're on the court and uh, and play to the highest of their ability? It seems like Miller's done a really good job of that. I don't know about the rest of the team. Um, I mean, Jaden Bradley was also obviously at the scene. I don't think he's played very well. Um, hasn't shot the ball very well. His, his assist numbers are, are, are decent. It seems like he's Eating some playing time to Javon Quinterly, who who did play well against um, Arkansas, but before that had you know a stretch of struggles as well. You know, Mark Sears hasn't shot the ball very well. Noah Clowney from three hasn't shot the ball very well. Lamari Burnett got hot, and now he's kind of cooled off. Ryland Griffin has kind of gone missing the last few games. Um, the surrounding cast of Miller just seemed really kind of off this week. I don't know if that's just it's late in the season, guys are tired, or if it's you know directly tied to their mindset with the whole Miller situation. That's impossible to know. We haven't been able to talk to players. And at this point, I want to anticipate talking to players until they're required to, which I think is at the SEC tournament. Um, and they're also required to you know, take questions from national media, which they haven't entirely done to this point. Um, so that's going to be, I think, a, a story that continues once more reporters. And, I mean, it was a story at NBC Nightly News on Saturday night. Um, it's like yeah. a Dateline NBC. Is there a, a news organization that's going to send people there to, to Nashville? I mean, that's that's an open question at this point. I want to yeah, I, to I would assume. Yeah. Oh, oh, go, go ahead, Christian. I'll tell you what let's yeah, do. Let's ask Mike. Mike, can you hang on through a break? We got a couple. We're gonna to get to football here for a minute. I don't want to extend your time yep. too much, but can you hang on another ten minutes? All right, let's let's do that. We'll sort it out on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports right here in Birmingham. Aniston Gadsden, of course, our host station over in Tuscaloosa, one hundred point nine FM. Appreciate you listening, and we will be back with more of Mike covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A wind advisory remains in effect this afternoon, mostly cloudy with a few passing showers through tonight. The high today, 78, the low tonight, 51. Tomorrow, dry and mild. The sky partially sunny, the high at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, Lars Christian Matt, and our guest from AL.com is Mike Rodak. Christian? Mike, I just wanted to ask you, uh, shifting gears to football real quick, we saw Austin Armstrong uh, take a job over at Florida, uh, left an open position for the inside linebackers coach at Alabama. They've gone to Robert Bala from Liberty, former Hugh Freeze assistant. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on the hire? Yeah, probably someone who, when that name came out, I don't think there's too many Alabama fans who knew who he was. Uh, probably a very small number. Um, which, you know, that's, I think sometimes Nick Saban likes the coaches that are up and coming and, um, want to work really hard and just have a, a real passion for it. Um, and, you know, Arson Armstrong probably fell into that category. And, you know, I think some people saw the Armstrong thing as well. You know, Nick Saban hired him and all of a sudden he's a hot name and somebody else needs to go hire him. I'm not sure that was the case because, he had worked for Billy Napier twice before, so really Billy Napier was was first on that on that guy, um, and just there happened to be an opening, and I think you know he, he did the right thing for himself, uh, which is fine. Um, and then as far as Bala, really a West Coast guy, uh, kind of came up through you know community colleges in California and Utah, uh, got his first real big break when he became the defensive coordinator of Southern Utah. Um, but then apparently, according to Hugh Freeze, who was on the radio this morning in Birmingham, said that he wanted to become an FBS coach. And that's when he um, interviewed with Liberty, and, and that's kind of how his name got on the radar. Mike, uh, the NFL Combine starts tomorrow, and uh, that is absolutely one of my favorite events in the world to cover, just because it's about schmoozing and uh, and, and and greasing your contacts. I don't think it is for uh, the players. Um, but uh, Bryce Young uh, has decided not to throw. Uh, he's going to go and get measured. Uh, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson uh, all have said that they are going to throw. Uh, is this a big deal that that Bryce is saying he's not he's not throwing? And then two, Alabama has thirteen players to uh, that were invited to the combine, uh, which is an amazingly high number. Um, out of let's take Will Anderson and Bryce Young out of this question, but do you think there's one player who's particularly going to shine in Indy this week that maybe will take scouts by surprise? Yeah, it's schmoozing and boozing, and I'm heading up there tomorrow, and I just have to prepare my body for that nice. abuse it's going to take. <laughs> it's, uh, a lot of late nights in Indy. It's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely a drinking it's festival it's among uh, NFL people. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it, 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 I don't, I'm not surprised with Bryce. I think a lot of the top prospects these days are just not doing it because there's no benefit if you're already going to be a top three pick. I don't think any teams are docking you for not throwing or, or not doing, you know, silly cone drills or whatever. Uh, he will throw at his pro day, and that's a more controlled environment. You're on your home field, your own receivers, your own script. Like, that's, um, you know, you don't have to show any. I don't think Bryce Young has to show much to people at this point. I think the question is going to be his height and weight, which you'll get at the combine. That will be a big story. 
Um, but you know, it's just not there's not a huge benefit for him uh, to do any of that right at this point. So yeah, as far as somebody else, I mean, it's um, it could be anybody to be honest. Brian Branch, I think athletically, uh, where he measures, I think is going to determine how high he can go because um, there's some people that are kind of pushing him into the top 15, which I think is a little bit high based on his production at Alabama. But if he's if his athletic numbers are off the charts or are really good at least, then that that could really help him. Um, uh, you know, there's there's different guys. There's not a receiver this year, so it's not like the 40 yard dash is going to be a big deal for him. Uh, Cameron Latu, I think, could get some attention as a tight end with some athletic ability if he can put up, put up some good numbers, um, which NFL teams like their, their tight ends to be able to move. Um, Jameer Gibbs, maybe from an athletic standpoint, but it's not like you know a couple years ago where your Henry Ruggs, I guess, would have been the last big name you know to run to 40 and have a a big uh, story around him. So, um, yeah, and the combine too has lost a little bit of its, of its juice. I mean, some coaches don't even go anymore. The Green Bay Packers coaches aren't going this year. I think the Rams coaches didn't go last year. So it's a TV event. It's like I said, it's a it's a convention, but it's not a huge football meaningful event in that sense. You just mentioned how the combines losing some of its prevalence. Do you think that's something we see um, moving forward without it uh, in the near the future? Maybe they get rid of it altogether. So Demora Smith, the the players' union um, head, has basically called for it to end. The union has never really liked the combine. It's 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 that puts a lot of things out of players' control. Um, for a while, players you know were in the hallways of the convention center, um, you know, running sprints to get ready, and uh, there's late nights with interviews, and then they're getting up the next morning and having to perform, and it's a lot of stress yeah. on players. I don't think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like it's not. It's not a good environment for players. And it's kind of a little bit better this year, I guess, Terrible. because there's um, No Bowl, which is like the clothing company that apparently is putting up a big locker room for players, and there's supposed to be more treatment options for them, and it's going to be more comfortable. But, um, yeah, the union's never been happy with it. The NFL loves it because they can put it on TV for five, six days and make a ton of money off it and sell you know, tickets to fans now. And um, So from a revenue standpoint, I think the NFL is not going to give it up very easily. All right, we'll let you go. I'll ask you a question because I've seen uh, what the players get in their attendance of the Combine. They get a lot of swag. Do they give any swag to the media? Uh, I can't think of anything. I remember going my first time would have been 2011, and I remember like I was young at the time, like walking in like one of those Under Armour um, swag rooms that the players get, and there's just walls of free shoes, and there's a barber, and there's like a – a milkshake bar and uh i remember ron rivera was just kind of randomly sitting on a couch in the corner and just sat down and talked to him it's just it's a surreal experience um just to be kind of walk into all that and see it for the first time but yeah there's a lot of free stuff that gets given out but at the end of the day i mean these guys it's a job interview um and some of these guys can make or break their careers i mean look at slade bolden last year i think a lot of people saw, saw him as like a potential nfl slot receiver and he goes to Indy and just runs terrible, terrible drills and goes undrafted. Um, so it can be, you know, it, it's impactful for some guys and, and their career hopes. Last time I was at the NFL Combine, uh, I stayed at the JW Marriott and I was in the concierge lounge getting breakfast, sort of like in the uh, uh, egg line, right, where they make your eggs. And uh, right behind me is Bill Belichick. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's crazy. Everybody is just like right on top of each other, and uh, in 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 the entire NFL. Uh, all the power brokers are staying within about a two-block radius. Okay. You're, you're Mike, it's fun. You know that. It, I, I really enjoy oh, yeah. the event, but you're right. It's uh, get, get your liver ready. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. I know that part. How does Bill, how does Belichick take his egg? Over easy. I, I like saw him there last wow. year. He was, at the, he was at the bar last year with Archie Manning exchanging phone numbers when I was, when I was there last year. That's a cool scene. Very cool. Hey, Mike, we kept you longer than usual, but we appreciate it. Great info. Have a safe trip. You got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Mike. All right. When we get back, I want Christian to talk about – I want him to talk about the NFL Combine because I've, I've, I've heard from it from you. I've heard from – Jay Barker went into detail on it. Not a lot of fun if you're a player from what I understand. That is coming up in Hour 2 along with Tim Brando on Big Noon Sports. To Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back with an hour in the books, one more on the docket as we continue with Big News Sports. Matt, you just heard Matt, Lars, Christian, hanging out on a Monday. Uh, wow, kind of a cloudy, rainy Monday, but nonetheless, it's a good day anyway. Uh, we just talked with Mike Rodak, and of course, uh, this was spurned by the announcement that Bryce Young is not going to throw at the Combines, but he will throw at Pro Day, which is March 23rd. This is the week of the Combine. I don't think I've ever talked to a player that enjoyed that experience. And I want to let our player, Christian Miller, pick it up from there. Yeah, you know, it's uh, definitely not the most enjoyable experience. I mean, you always grow up watching it and, and want to attend it. And, and it's definitely, you know, a great opportunity. Uh, I can't uh, not put that out there. But, you know, once you're there and experience it, you definitely realize, you know, it is what it is. Um, it's just definitely not what it's all cracked up to be. And it's definitely a very stressful uh, experience for most of the players. Uh, there's just so much going on, so many moving parts. I mean, you're being pulled left and right, uh, you go to hospitals for imaging and testing, and you're taking all types of strenuous, uh, you know, wonderlick tests and, and psychological exams. And I mean, your day starts early and it ends late. Uh, you know, when you meet with these coaches, you're in there, you know, they're, they're quizzing you, they're, they're, they're trying to get you to react. I mean, it's, it's, man, it's just tough. And that's all leading up to the big physical performance because then you have to go out to what is televised and, and perform on the field in front of these scouts. And, you know, it's rapid pace, you know, and they're just going through it and you just have to, you know, be prepared and you really only get one crack at it. There's not many redos uh, for many things. Um, so it's definitely uh, quite the experience, and, and that's why I think a lot of players definitely leave there um, with kind of, you know, a bad taste in their mouth sometimes just because it's just not exactly what they, uh, you know, perceived it to be. But, um, you know, I'm sure guys that, you know, go out there and have a great performance, you know, leave there, they're satisfied, but they still will tell you, you know, it definitely by no means was the most enjoyable experience they've ever had playing football. 
All right, so Christian, let's let's start from the very beginning here. A, a lot of guys uh, will uh, not enroll in classes for the spring semester uh, who are going to go to the combine because they want to just focus on training full time. So they'll go to uh, there's different places around the country. A lot of guys go out to Phoenix. Some to go down to Florida. Uh, did you do that? And uh, and also, how were you informed that you were being invited to the combine? Uh, no, I actually chose to train here at Alabama. I, I felt that um, they had all the resources necessary for me to be successful. We had coaches here, and I also could bring in my own coaches. So I chose to train here um, with the likes of you know Josh Jacobs trained here as well, Jamie Mosley, um, Josh Casher, Derek Keefe, a couple other guys. Um, we uh, trained here. Damian Harris was here a good bit as well. Um, so we all train here uh, on campus at our facility, and um, uh, I heard about my invitation. I can't remember exactly. Um, it was either maybe my agent informed me, or they might have gone to the school. I, honestly, I, if I'm being honest with you, Lars, I don't remember exactly. I just remember I, I got invited. I want to say my agent kind of facilitated it, though. How did you go about the process of picking your agent? Uh, well, you meet with everybody. You know, you have... Uh, agents that are inquiring about working for you and they'll sit down with you. They'll meet with you. They'll meet with your family. You kind of just, you basically interview them um, because you got to remember that they work for you. You don't work for them. A lot of people have um, this misconception that, you know, you work for your agent, but it's the other way around. They work for you. So it's a hiring process. You're hiring them. You know, you listen to what they have to offer. You know, nowadays numbers are generally the same as your first round pick. They take 1%, second round pick. They take 2%, third round and beyond is three percent that's pretty standard nowadays sometimes they will try to be a little more competitive but uh that's that's generally what it is so it's really just a matter of you know who else do they represent you know what's their record of getting big time contracts how did how well are they when when you're looking for a new home how how successful are they at getting guys workouts and and find them new opportunities so you kind of narrow it down that way and just who you line up with, you know, uh, I'm not going to say morally, like like there's some good guys, some bad guys, I'm sure there are, but just who you align with, you know, who who seems to kind of um, fit in with you and, and what you stand for. And that also is something that I considered. And, and ultimately, I decided between, I think, two or three and uh, just chose who I felt was the best fit for me. A few questions, short answers required, I guess, here. Did it help you? Um, are you paid? And do they at least provide you some, with some pretty good accommodations? Uh, just clarify, did, did what help me, Matt? You mean the uh, agent or the combine? Did, did it? Do you feel like going to the combine helped you in the NFL draft? Oh, okay, sorry. I thought you were talking about the agent still. Uh, the combine, um, did, did they pay me? No. Um, I give you, I think Mike was mentioning it, you know, you get a lot of uh, free gear and whatnot. And I don't even think that's where the combine necessarily give you that. They give you some, but you know, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, they're all set up in there. And it's really because they're looking at potential signees, guys that they can sign, um, once you are drafted. And, and, and that way you can, or even before the draft, you can get signed by them, but looking for, you know, guys that they can, they can be their next athletes that they want to sign. So, but, but, you know, they're not going to know exactly who at the time. So they're basically just, they have their vendors in there, and then they're giving you a lot of you know free gear. Like I got a bunch of gear from Under Armour, a bunch of gear from Nike, um, some gear from Adidas. Um, and I think you said, did it help me out? Um, yes and no. You know, I was still coming off my hamstring that I tore against Oklahoma. I would say I was probably eighty percent, if that. 
Uh, I still wasn't really even running full speed, so I opted not to run the 40. I was able to jump, so I did the vertical jump and the broad jump. I jumped a 38 and a half inch vertical, which is uh, one of the highest for a defender in general, but definitely one of the highest for a linebacker. Um, and then I did the drills um, on the field. Uh, I did not do well. You know, again, I didn't have much time to really prepare how I wanted to prepare because I still was trying to get back to running and I really wasn't quite there, but I didn't want to not do anything. So I figured, well, you know, most of these drills are kind of short range. I'll, I'll make it work. Probably wasn't the best decision because it, again, it wasn't my best performance by any means. Um, but I don't think it hindered me too much. I think people understood that I still was, you know, not healthy. They took that into consideration. Um, but I think the, the other testing definitely helped me out, you know, showing my athleticism on the jumps helped me out. They measured my wingspan. I had the longest wingspan, I think, for any linebacker there that helped me out. And then I've always been, um, you know, had a reputation as being a very instinctual, smart, intellectual football player. So I think I excelled with my testing, with whether it's the Wonderlick or just some of the, the psych testing, because people don't know this, but really the first couple of days you're there, all you're doing is medical testing and then the psych uh, testing and um, the Wonderlick test, which you hear about. They always talk about the Wonderlick scores. But there's a lot more psychological evaluations going into it. And I'm talking about 100 plus question tests and several of them that you're taking all day and just asking things about your temperament, how you would respond in certain situations. Do you consider yourself a happy person, a sad person? I mean, and there's it's just countless tests that you're doing over and over. And in the meantime, scouts will pull you aside. They'll start interviewing you, asking you what I like to call frivolous questions. I mean, they just don't really make much sense half the time. Some of them will be about football schemes, um, you know, your abilities, your strengths or weaknesses, and others will just be, uh, you know, what direction does the sun set? Uh, you know, are you familiar with uh, Brexit, which is literally like the British exit, like a whole, you know, mm-hmm. something that's not even had anything to do with football or the United States, really. Um and sometimes I've heard, I didn't get any of these, but some of these questions, they'll ask some very personal, invasive questions um, that really probably have no basis. But I mean, I've heard of them asking guys uh, about, you know, with their mother, did any sex work or something, just crazy things. Um, and so the, yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. And then a guy like me who had several injuries in college, I mean, my first day, I spent probably eight hours in the hospital. A majority of that really was waiting on my MRIs, you know, if you have any type of injury um, that you've dealt with, and it goes all the way back to high school. I had a, a small neck procedure done in high school. Uh, they wanted to MRI that even though I played five years at Alabama after that with no issue whatsoever. They wanted to, to uh, get an image on that. They wanted to, to get an image on my hamstring. I had surgery on my groins while I was in college. They wanted an image on that. Um, so, I mean, they, they'll request, and, and, and each team can request an image. I mean, so you basically go in front of all these doctors and there's different stations, but each team has a, a dedicated doctor. And if they pick up on something while they're, they're, they're literally, you're laying on tables or feeling on you, they're pulling on you. I mean, it's, it's so invasive. Um, but they, if they see anything that they want, um, you know, further imaging or explanations on, they'll, they'll ask for it. And uh, you, you're not necessarily obligated to do it, but it's probably your best interest. I denied the neck MRI because I told them I'm not doing another MRI. I've been up here hours. There's no need to. I played on. I played with it through college, with no issues. So, I think my biggest complaint would be the. Well, there's a number of things, but what sticks out to me is the structure of it. I don't think it, it benefits players uh, whatsoever that 
you spend your first two days of all types of testing, medical testing, psych testing, and then you're required to go out and perform, I think they should switch it, right? Because it's so stressful when you just imagine, like you, you, you spend time traveling up there, then you get there, you're doing all this testing and you're sitting in hospitals doing MRIs and you're basically kind of getting cold. You're, you're kind of losing like that. You're coming off of training, you're feeling your best. And then you have two days of being cooped up in a hotel in a hospital and you're, you're just waiting, anticipating that combine to go out there and perform. And I think that messes a lot of guys up because then you're finally, it's fi- finally comes and you're just like, you're already exhausted. You're, you're beat because you've been in a hospital and in meetings and whatnot for you know, two days at this point and just hours at a time. So uh, there's a lot of things I would change about it. You know, is it something I would go back and not do? Absolutely not. It was an experience that a lot of guys wish to be able to do. And a lot of guys that don't get the chance to go, um, you know, would would kill to be out there. So I'm very grateful for the experience, but there definitely is a lot of things about it that I probably would change. Well, we're all grateful that we can get this kind of information firsthand. I found this segment to just be fascinating. And, um, right down to the reversal. So, uh, anyway, Christian, uh, thanks for that. So when we get back, we're going to talk some more about some football. Who knows what else, uh, as we continue here on big noon sports, uh, the man from, um, Fox sports, big noons on, <laughs> we stole your name. Tim Brando is coming up right here on big noon sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is big noon sports. The- Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A wind advisory remains in effect this afternoon, mostly cloudy with a few passing showers through tonight. The high today, 78, the low tonight, 51. Tomorrow, dry and mild. The sky partially sunny, the high at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, we, uh, we'll get Brando on here in a minute. Hey, Christian, I wanted to follow up and ask you, um, did you have any inclination that the Carolina Panthers were going to draft you? And, and uh, you know, did you meet with them uh, individually bef- uh, at the Combine? Um, you got me, Lars? Yes. Yeah, so they, I met with them. Um, I don't know if I met with them at the Combine, like in like a uh, like an actual scheduled meeting. 
I know I spoke with them, but I remember meeting uh, with the Texans like extensively at the combine. Um, but to answer your question, I kind of had an idea because there's one of their scouts called me um, probably a couple weeks before the draft, and they said, "Hey, you know, uh, Coach Rivera and his staff are, are really high on you. Um, they really like you and think you'd be a great fit." There, this, this is, you know, they were um, moving towards a three-four defense, and they were saying that's exactly kind of what they're looking for a Sam linebacker like myself that could, you know, you know, be a three down guy by playing, you know, Sam and in, in the base three, four, but also playing a little defensive end and nickel kind of like what I did at Alabama. So he told me, he said, you know, don't tell anybody, but, um, you know, we plan if, if you're still there, um, with our, you know, uh, I can't remember when he said, he said, uh, like, uh, I can't remember. It was either between like the second or fourth. He said, if I'm still there around the second or fourth round, they're going to take me. And um, I kind of took it with a grain of salt because I've always heard, you know, don't really listen. You know, don't don't take stuff too seriously uh, before the draft because a lot of things can change and people say a lot of different things. Um, but he did, the scout did tell me that and ultimately ended up being right. However, I didn't know. When draft day came, I wasn't too sure on that because uh, they took Brian Burns in the first round, who also was outside linebacker. So I didn't uh, necessarily think they needed another one. Um, but it actually worked out where they didn't need another one, but they saw that I still was available going into the fourth round. And uh, they went ahead and took me uh, because they, they liked me. And, and it's kind of like what I was saying Friday. That it's the rule where uh, you just need a team to fall in love with you. You know, the Saints told my agent they're going to take me in the third round. They ended up not doing that. I can't remember what happened there. I have to ask him. But um, I didn't go there. And so when Carolina saw me still available, they immediately took me in the fourth round. And uh, did you uh, participate in Pro Day at Alabama? Absolutely. And that, that was kind of my my uh, aiming goal anyway, because I knew coming off that hamstring injury, it was going to take time to heal. And Pro Day was uh, a much better time frame for me. So I was anticipating my Pro Day anyways. I kind of just wanted to make it through the combines, do what I could. But really, I knew Pro Day would be my time to shine. And, and, and it makes a lot of sense why a guy like Bryce would want to wait. I'll tell you right now, I performed uh, exponentially better at my pro day versus the combine. I don't know if it's because, you know, it was a familiar uh, territory. I was with all my coaches around, all my teammates around. I'm sure all those were factors. But uh, pro day is just so much uh, so much better of an opportunity for you because, again, you're, you're, you have your, your teammates around cheering you on. You're in your, your, uh, your home environment, uh, so to speak. And uh, I just think that, you know, it really gives you a chance to really perform your very best in a comfortable setting. So it makes a lot of sense. I, I performed much better at Pro Day, and uh, I was very thankful for that. Is there a chance that because you were a Carolina guy that might have factored in? Say that Christian, one more time, Matt. You with me? <laughs> Oh, I was just, this is just kind yeah, of you know, a borderline question, to be honest it. with you. Yeah. Did, did, did it matter that you were from Carolina, that you got drafted by Carolina? Uh, I don't know. Um, that's a great question, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I, you probably have to ask them. I mean, I don't, I don't remember them really mentioning that. I mean, I, I remember them saying, like, oh, man, how awesome is it that you, you know, can you know, kind of represent, like, like your home team? Um but uh, I don't think that's why they drafted me. I mean, I'd, I'd hope not. I hope they actually thought that I was a, 
a decent player. I hope they didn't just take me because I was from there, but uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they thought it was a cool. You gonna sell uh, tickets? Cool thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, when you were yeah, well, maybe, sticking with maybe. the combine, I mean, I think it'd be a better storyline if I was a quarterback, maybe. But but yeah, that that's probably a good point. Um, sticking with the combine, what was the craziest question that you got asked? And also, how'd you do on the Wonderlick? Um, I don't remember my exact score. You probably could Google it, but um, I felt like I did pretty decent. But you take it a couple times. I don't remember, um, you know, what, what my highest score was. You know, I mean, we've even taken it at Alabama as juniors. Uh, they let us take it uh, while you're still at Alabama just to almost prepare yourself, kind of get a gauge on where you're at on it. Um, but the, the, the question I mentioned about Brexit, I mean, again, that's probably not like an outlandish question, but it just was so random that I was like, I mean, yeah, I'm familiar with Brexit. I mean, I know what it stands for, but I, I mean, I can't tell you and go in depth on my stance on it or, or, or the pros and cons of it. Like, I was like, why are you asking me that? <laughs> and, and the team that asked it was the Patriots. And uh, it didn't surprise me because they're kind of known to really play mind games with you. I've heard, I feel like they always are just kind of involved in some random type of deal where they just really are trying to either, you know, press you or just kind of see how you react, kind of throw curveballs. So it, it made sense. Hey, do you happen to remember uh, maybe even some of the more significant names that went in that draft to the Panthers along with you? Uh, Brian Burns was the first round draft pick. Uh, we had Greg Little, I believe, was in second round. Will uh, Greer was the third round pick from West Virginia, quarterback. I was the fourth round pick. Fifth round pick was Jordan Scarlett, running back out of Florida. Uh, sixth round pick was Dennis Daly, I believe, tackle from South Carolina, played at Ridgeview High School back in my hometown. And seventh round pick was Terry uh, Terry Godwin, or Terry Goodwin, I believe. I might be messing up his last name, but a receiver out of Georgia. Yeah, I remember all those guys. I'm real close to all those guys. Um, and it, it was it's when that, well, now to answer your question, Matt, maybe there was some allegiance to, to Carolina guys because, again, Dennis Daly was from Ridgeview High School where Gigi Jackson, the basketball player, went in high school, which is in Columbia, uh, like myself. So maybe they do like Columbia guys or Carolina guys. You got a point. Will Greer's from Charlotte. Matt, you might have been on to something. Uh, I, it was just, just kind of a random question, but I do, do think it was somewhat warranted. All right. Happy birthday, Tim Brando is online with us right now. Tim, it's Matt, Lars, Christian. The gang is all here, and uh, we we just pretty much don't want to talk about sports or anything. We just want to talk about your birthday. Happy birthday, Timbo. <laughs> In other words, it's all about me. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Yeah, well, it usually <laughs> is. I mean, come on. Um, I do want to know, though, um, what will you do for your birthday? Well, let's see. I've already flown into Newark from D.C. Uh, I'm no place like Newark, Newark to spend your birthday. Yeah, no place. Nothing says celebrate the uh, 18th anniversary <laughs> of your 49th birthday like Newark, New Jersey, does it? But um, doing what I love. I had a nice had a nice lunch here in uh, Short Hills, which is just outside Newark. They got a wonderful hotel and mall in Short Hills, and. Um, Let's see. I go from uh, I go to practice uh, later today uh, for the hall, and then Villanova comes in tomorrow, and uh, Donnie Marshall and I will have 
what will be my third game in four days in the Big East. I started at wow. Villanova on Saturday, went to D.C. for uh, Georgetown and Providence yesterday, then um, flew here today. So uh, I'll get a workout in later in the afternoon, and uh, that's pretty much it. Watch some hoops tonight, probably, and uh, that'll be it. It's great to be with you guys. Thanks so much for joining us on your birthday, Timmy. Um, there's a lot going on uh, with the University of Alabama basketball team, and mm-hmm. I just kind of wanted to ask, just give you an open-ended uh, platform here to give us your analysis, your opinion of uh, the Brandon Miller situation, Nate Oates, how Alabama has handled everything since the uh, preliminary hearing last week. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could make the Alabama fans feel better, and uh, and even people in the Alabama administration whom I really respect. I'm a big fan of of uh, Greg Byrne. I always have been. I I, uh, I think he's one of the top athletic directors in the country. Uh, I really do. Uh, but this has been a colossal failure uh, on every front uh, from the president to the athletic director, to the head coach of the basketball program. Uh, no other way to put it. Uh, as it relates to what happened with player, I am not one, and I did not. I was not one of those that jumped out and immediately condemned uh, Brandon. I don't, think that's, I don't think that's the right thing to do, and I don't think it's accurate, and I don't think, frankly, you're thinking clearly if, if you did that, okay? But... You know, he did allow for that to happen uh, again the other day on the um, when the public address announcer was introducing the players. Uh, and I don't give a damn whether that's been done all year long or not. I mean, somebody uh, with a little dignity step forward and foresight and say, look, this little deal you're doing about patting down uh, Brandon, probably ought, we probably shouldn't do that. And so Brandon was complicit with that. That was a huge mistake. Uh, it's just got to be someone stepping forward with a little public relations crisis management 101 experience to say, guys, enough. This has got to stop. Um, listen, the reaction to what happened is not the story. The Twitter... The Twitter reaction was over the top. It was far too negative, and I will admit to that. And I did not partake in any of it. Um, this this young man hasn't been proven to have done legally anything wrong. But the judgment here in the aftermath of it, by, and I can include him in this now because of what happened the other day uh, when he was announced and came out onto the floor. I mean, that's just somebody uh, has the balls to say some difficult truths to this kid and to the head coach and to the and to the, the administration of the program. You can't have this happening. Um, any publicist, any public relations person that you could ever come into contact with would say this, this can't go on. And um, as it relates to the coach, uh, Oates is another guy that I think a lot of as a coach. I think he's a great young coach. Uh, I always have. He came from great stock. He did a super job where he was. 
But the fishbowl is different here than it is in Buffalo. Okay, the, the fishbowl is different than it is in other places. You're the number one or the number two team in the country, and your comments, your words, are going to matter more. So if, if he had to come forward and say, I apologize, and he, and he did uh, apologize for what had happened in his second presser from his first presser, but he said he didn't have all the information. Well, he, somebody should have given him the information. Where, where was that? And that's where, again, I think that um, his boss and, and Greg Byrne, his office comes into to play to some extent. And I did see the uh, the interview that Greg did with Reese Davis on that on that podcast as well. And by that time, Greg was reduced because the lawyers for the university told him what he couldn't say, he was reduced to looking like what every other athletic director has ever said in a situation where they could not come forward and and speak to the difficult truth. And that's going to be the case every time you, you get involved with, uh, you know, uh, police actions and things that are going on with an ongoing investigation. We know that's going to happen. In any case, the optics on this, from the very top of the university through to the athletic administration, to the head coach, and now because of, as I said, what Miller did, whether they've done it all year long or not, I don't care. I do not care. There is no room for that in intercollegiate athletics. All you're doing is fueling the fire for those that take shots at athletics and say that all that matters is just win, baby, win. And anytime that happens, we're allowing the pinheads in our country to look like they're right and we're wrong. So... I, I say shame on Alabama from an administrative standpoint, from the top all the way down. As it relates to the kid and what's gone on and the Twitter reaction, the social media reaction, out of line, uh, you know, declaring someone guilty when we, we really don't know any of the specifics of the involvement of the young man with regard to the other young man who was already arrested, charged, that's, that's, that's not good either. So there are no winners here. Everybody looks bad on every front. But Particularly, your question was about Alabama, and I'm here to tell you Alabama looks bad. Uh, He tells it like it is. Tim Brando from Fox Sports is our guest here on Big Noon Sports. Uh, When we get back, we'll kind of settle into some uh, maybe less adversarial or less controversial subjects. We'll try and do that anyway. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Then you got a, a, a fantastic opportunity to win it. But I mentioned four teams there, and that's, that would be my four. Um, I would go with, with Kansas along with uh, the other three that I just mentioned. And um, but, but listen to me. Teams like Iowa State, Kansas State out of the Big 12, uh, teams like, believe it or not, and, and this will blow you away, but a team like Providence, who, who I saw yesterday, and I'll see again next Saturday, with two really good big players that, you know, Hopkins, who transferred from Kentucky, player of the year candidate, along with Kolick out of uh, Marquette uh, in the Big East this year. Uh, Ed Croswell is another 6'11 guy that can really play big, and they run the floor well. Uh, there are a lot of teams that aren't ranked in the top 15, okay? I'd say at least 30 teams, okay, have a chance to go to the Final Four. 30, not just the top 25, five more outside the top 25. 
if they get the right matchups and the right draw. And of those 30, I'd say at least 10 or 12 have a chance to win it all. I mean, this thing, Matt, is wide open. It's never been more wide open, and I think it's for a combination of reasons. The NIL and the transfer portal, okay? Uh, I mentioned Providence. They got eight transfers on that team, and they've all meshed beautifully. I mean, beautifully. Uh, and that's a credit to Ed Cooley, their head coach. All right, Tim, in honor of the 18th anniversary of your 49th birthday, uh, can you share your favorite birthday memory? Is there one party, one particular birthday that sticks out to you? Wow. Now, that's a question. You know, you're, that's, that's why you're who you are, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, this is hard-hitting stuff here. <laughs> yeah, I was once. Uh, and this was back in around, oh gosh, it must have been about, uh, well, it was around my 40th birthday. I can't believe it's been 27 years. It was my 40th birthday, and I had just signed a contract with CBS to do the NCAA tournament for the first time that year for them. And uh, I had been working uh, the Atlanta Hawks, the Atlanta Braves, and doing the NBA playoffs at Turner, and I'd been doing the uh, the early window games of college football in the SEC, those Jefferson Pilot games from 94, 95, and 96. Uh, I started freelancing a little bit with CBS, uh, doing a few of their games in 96, um, but it wasn't a full-time deal. It wasn't a full-time uh, contract, and I just got the contract right before my 40th birthday and my wife put together a surprise party at Southern Trace Country Club where we live and literally it was sort of a, a this is your life birthday party she had um, she had former a former teacher there she had a former coach she had our CPA uh, <laughs> she had she had all these different people got a guy that I was a disc jockey with uh, you, you guys are familiar, I know, with Kenny Wayne Shepherd, the great blues guitarist. Uh, did the song oh, yeah. "Blue on Black." Matt, I bet you know uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. His yeah. his um, his father, Shotgun Ken Shepherd, was a disc jockey and program director at K Rock with me uh, when we were children in the mid seventies. These people all showed up to basically roast me. It was a roast, and uh, <laughs> and we had a and we had a disco party at the same time. And it was my 40th, so my kids, Tiffany would have been, uh, let's see, 96. She would have, she would have been 13. So all of her, her friends, you know, that were in middle school, and uh, and Tara, our, our youngest, would have been um, like six years old. So we just had a blast. It went well into the night, and uh, it was a night I'll never forget. So that's the most memorable. Love it. Great story. Yeah. Tim, yeah. have a good broadcast. We appreciate you joining us, as, as always. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Happy birthday, my friend. Thanks, fellas. Remember, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind the number, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, well uh, put. I'm, I'm taking that with me every day now, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you soon. We'll see you. Yeah. All right. Um, just a couple. Um, did either of you guys watch any live golf? No. XFL? Yes. All right. XFL. Talk about a unique rule to that league when we get back. 
covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A wind advisory remains in effect this afternoon, mostly cloudy with a few passing showers through tonight. The high today, 78, the low tonight, 51. Tomorrow, dry and mild. The sky partially sunny, the high at 77. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports, I made it a point to watch a little of Live Golf over the weekend. It is not something I'm going to do with any regularity. I think I've stated this before. I'm pretty much against that whole concept. Um, So I'm really not going to give them my viewership. However, I did want to watch just to observe and see. Their graphics are enormous and too colorful. And their overall coverage just kind of, I thought, uh, was very average. Meanwhile, flip over there to NBC and how watch how clean and crisp their broadcast and the graphics are non-invasive. And I, I just compared those two. Went on, didn't watch a lot of golf. Also, just the depth of the LIV tour uh, of of the field of players. Yeah. It's so shallow. It, you're not watching great golf all the time. And then you had a wonderful finish between yesterday uh, and the Honda between two guys we really didn't know that much about. About, but man. It was absolutely great golf. Christian? Yeah, guys, just want to give a big thanks to our partners over at the Good Feet Store. You know, they offer those premium art supports that are designed to alleviate and eliminate all types of pain, hip pain, back pain, knee pain, you name it. And dedicating years of your life to athletics can definitely lead to all of those types of pains. So with that being said, I also want to give a shout out to their, their customer service because nowadays, guys, you just don't really get it like that anymore. But these... Uh, folks at the Good Feet Store offer premium customer service, which is one of my favorite parts. And right now, they still have it by popular demand. They're giving away a free pair of premium shoes with a qualified purchase. That's a $140 value. So stop in your local Good Feet Store today. And you got to do it today because, guys, unfortunately, this offer ends tomorrow, Tuesday, the 28th. So if you want to get in on this offer, the free pair of shoes with your purchase of uh, art supports, you got to do it today or tomorrow. It ends tomorrow. So go into your local Good Feet store in Tuscaloosa, that's Midtown Village. Uh, in Birmingham, I think it's a summit. But if you're not too sure, go go to thegoodfeet.com and find the nearest location to you. That way you can get in on this awesome deal. It's a $140 value, and it ends tomorrow. So go in ASAP so you can get a free pair of shoes with your purchase of art supports. Quick note, I've been watching the XFL. We've talked about it, but I guess this rule went past me somehow. But when they punt... You are penalized greatly if it goes out of bounds or out of the end zone. The other team gets the ball at the 35-yard line. I mean, that man, does that change your kicking game, your punting game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just there's so so many coaches and Christian. They're treating it like like a kickoff going out of bounds, it sounds like. Yeah, and, you know, you also have to make sure that your punt, you know, your coverage team knows down the ball. Don't let it roll out of bounds like you normally would. Isn't that what you know? You let it roll out of bounds at its farthest point. Yeah, Yeah. and, uh, I mean, Christian knows this better than me, but a lot of special team coaches, head coaches, they direct their punter to directionally kick. They don't want the punter just to absolutely hit the ball as hard as they can. They want it uh, direction right along the sideline, correct? 
Yeah, well, it depends, Lars, uh, on the situation. But yeah, the, a lot of times you, you you typically see that. Um, but it's all in coordination with uh, the special teams unit, uh, specifically the punt teams. So the cover guys are on the same page as the punters. So we'll we'll have. It's almost like. I don't know if people even know this, but you basically have calls. So if it's going to be a uh, punt to the right, we say New York. If we say L.A. is to the left, typically uh, L for left. Um, and that also uh, typically can um, describe the blocking scheme as well, on which way you're, you're going to have the man protection and which side is going to have the zone protection. But, yeah, um, it definitely is an interesting rule. Uh, it reminds me of, like I was just saying, that the kickoff rule, you know, you can't kick it out of bounds or you're penalized. Um, but I don't know how I feel about this one. That one's kind of interesting because a lot of teams utilize punting out of bounds. Um, it's a great strategy, uh, especially when you're going against um, some defend or some uh, returners that are that are very explosive. Um, it's a way to uh, really just help you get an edge in, in a number of ways. But I, I guess I have to watch and see how it plays out. But I guess it, it makes it more exciting because you see a lot more returns. It's just another reason to watch the game, and the the USFL is coming up t- soon because. They put these rules in place pretty much to see how they work out uh, as whether or not they'll ever up, end up in the National Football League. That one changes everything about punts and punt return. I like it. A um, lot of stuff. A lot of stuff going on in the XFL. All right, you gentlemen have a great day. What do you say we line up and take the snap tomorrow at noon? Let's do it. Thank you, plan. guys.